Let's go. 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 Let's Welcome back to MBA University. Um, we're going to get into a couple games that happened over the past week. Sorry for the delay. Christmas break was pretty crazy. Um, but we're going to cover some of the games that happened over the past week, like Duke, Texas Tech, um, Gonzaga. Can, was it? No. Nope. We'll get to it. <laughs> Kentucky, UNC. <laughs> there you go. It's one of those teams. Um but I wanted to start off with a little history on this date um, back in 1992. John Stockton dished out 20 assists against the Timberwolves, which I thought was pretty crazy. So That's a lot. It's a ton. We don't see that very often anymore. Um, but, yeah, what did you think of the, the Texas Tech um, Duke game? Yeah, uh, that was a game I was pretty worried about going into just because Texas Tech plays great defense. Um, They were giving up 51 points a game going into that Duke game, and they really held Duke to pretty poor offense, especially in the first half. Um, Both teams, I think, are pretty good. Uh, Texas Tech, I think, is is very defense-oriented. They really don't have an offense beyond Jarrett Culver, so that, I think, is going to come – to be a little bit of a problem for them come March. Um, but Duke, it was the first time that they had to rely on people not named Zion or RJ. Zion was in foul trouble for most of the game, all of which were offensive fouls. He actually fouled out with only one defensive foul, which is something I've never really seen before. And RJ was just not great, especially in the first half. But he did step up pretty big in the second half. Um, but Duke won basically because of Trey Jones' defense. Jack White making two big threes in the second half, and then Cameron Reddish stepping up huge and having three awesome plays late in the game. Um, but yeah, it was a, it was a pretty good game. It was a game that a lot of people in Vegas are pretty upset about because well, Vegas is happy, but betters are pretty upset because it was a ten and a half point spread. Duke was losing the whole game and won by eleven, like it was nothing. <laughs> yeah, I was wasn't happy with that result. I thought for sure Texas Tech was covering that ten and a half the way they play defense. They basically did for forty or thirty nine minutes and thirty seconds. <laughs> yeah, it, that was a tough, tough break for them. I think just Derek Culver got a little tired, um, but yeah, he really carries carries them offensively. It's funny to see the shot distribution where he's taking twenty one shots. The next is uh, Mooney and Owens, Matt Mooney. Um, Taking seven shots each and three goings. Then everyone else. Yeah, honestly, Culver Culver was doubled and just really denied and taken out of his element in the second half. So realistically, he could have had a lot more than 21 shots, but Duke played pretty good D on him in the second half, thank God. Yeah. Yeah, really keep down the defense. Um, all, everyone was shooting poorly. I mean, Duke shot three for 20 from three. Which is really yeah, and the, the three makes were 
under like five minutes in the second half. So basically they missed every shot the whole game. Yeah. So Texas Tech played a really tough tough game, but it just shows how much talent Duke has not having to worry about their two big-time offensive scorers not really having great games, even though they led the team in scoring. Um, <laughs> but you got guys hitting big shots at big times, so I mean, they're just loaded in some Texas Tech. They're going to be a tough team for anybody, but just didn't have enough to pull it out. Um, yeah, I want to head over to this past Saturday's games. Yeah, we can go to the other blue North Carolina school. Um, so we had Kentucky UNC in a game of kind of two two teams going in opposite directions at the time. UNC is coming off a great win against Gonzaga, and Kentucky basically looks awful all year long. Um, kind of seemed like the obvious would happen, and UNC would continue to play good. Kentucky would struggle, and that. But the one thing I wrote in my notes about this game was what the heck happened because it went opposite of how I was expecting it to go. Um, Kentucky did exactly what Gonzaga should have done and just dominated the paint all game long with PJ Washington and Travis and uh, Reed Travis. They were really, really, really good for the first time, uh, combined at least. And then Ashton Hagens just dominated defensively against Kobe White. Um, he forced Kobe into one of the, one of the worst games I can remember by a point guard. I know Kobe's only a freshman and that's going to happen, but. I've never seen another point guard take the opposing player just out of his element so much. Um, and and UNC just looked really bad overall. But Kentucky looked awesome for the first time this year. Um, so if that's a sign of things to come, um, Kentucky has all the ability to be the team we thought they would be start to start the year. Yeah. Um, I think it really began and ended with um, Ashton Hagens. I mean, having eight steals in a game is incredible. Um, especially mm-hmm. against uh, a disciplined North Carolina team. Uh, they don't turn over a ton. They don't take care of it great, but they're not the sort of middle of D1 with taking care of the ball and to have one person with eight steals. It's crazy. Um, I just got to say, I think I call Reed Travis, Travis Reed, more often than not. And it's just... <laughs> So did uh, I can't remember who was calling the game, but literally every time he said Travis Reed, and they'd be like, "Oh, I mean Reed Travis." It's so weird. His last name's his first name, first name last. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, Kentucky starters played incredible that game. Um, PJ didn't have a crazy scoring game, but just did everything for them. I mean, almost had a triple double. Um, and then Reed Travis, as I said in an early earlier podcast. I, I wanted more out of him, and he certainly delivered. Um, having twenty and seven, and and playing really well. Um, but yeah, thought North Carolina just put up a dud. They're they're known for those, especially early in the season. Um, but I think they bounce back. Yeah, I mean they only lost by eight, but the score wasn't as close as it as the game was. And I think Kentucky, what they haven't done yet this year really is play elite defense like they're capable of. And Keldon Johnson is a freak defender. Ashton Higgins is obviously a great defender. Um, and I think their bigs are so athletic that they are just capable defenders. And if they continue to play defense like they did, like holding a UNC team to 72 
when uh, Cameron Johnson shot it well, and so did Luke May. That's pretty special. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, let's get out to um, Kansas and Arizona State. You want to talk about your player of the year? Yeah. Um, so, Dedrick Lawson is a player that I think is incredible for Kansas. Uh, currently, I have him as my player of the year in college. There's really nothing that he doesn't do well, uh, at least on the offensive side of the ball. Defense is a little shaky, but um, he was outstanding again, 30-point game, but basically got no help. Um, Devon Dotson was pretty good at parts, but he's not consistent enough yet, for my liking at least. And he's still a young freshman. He's got plenty of time. Um, but Ladrell Vic wasn't great, didn't shoot it well. And Kansas just refuses to put anyone away. They always have a lead of like around 8 to 10 in every game. And that lead always is gone in just a matter of minutes. And that happened again. Arizona State was pretty much beaten the whole game. And then came down at the end, and I even said to you, how the heck did they just win this game? Because it felt like at no point they were going to win the game. And then at the end, they're they're up by a couple on the scoreboard, and it's over. So. Crazy. Yeah. I think it, and I texted this to you, just send you an emoji picture of a heart because they, they just wanted it more. Um, yeah. Everyone shot terribly except really um, Cheatham. And Rob Edwards was awesome down the stretch making shots too. Yeah. Yeah. Edwards had a, had a big, big second half. Um, really caught fire. And then um, they sort of went away from him, which was a little weird. Um, but Dort, you know this, is one of my favorite freshman favorite players just because of how hard he plays. Um, he's sort of been in a shooting slump the past three games, um, just averaging around 12 points a game and not shooting well. But he plays so hard, um, does so many things well, he plays really good defense. And I really don't think Kansas affected him. I think it's just he's – hitting sort of a wall um, as a freshman. You sort of come in, and I can tell you right around this time of year, early January is where you get dead legs, and you got to sort of find a way to push through it. Um, so he'll come around, but, yeah, I think Arizona State did a great job of just hanging around, taking the punch from Kansas and just hanging in there, and then finally got hot with Edwards and uh, sort of pulled away in the last few seconds. Yeah, Kansas came out firing and got an early lead, but Arizona State cut it down and then just hung around all game long until the end and pulled away finally um, with the crazy home environment. That place with the curtain of distraction and everything, that just oh. seemed like such a fun place to play. Yeah. Um, but I, I think Kansas really has to figure out how to put teams away or else if they're going to let teams hang around, they're going to have a terrible time trying to win a title. Yeah, and they need something more from the bench. I know when um, yeah. Azubuki gets back, it changes things. But, man, having five points off the bench and not even having that many minutes off the bench, it, it's going to be tough right. for them. So um, I think that's what the problem is. Their, their starters come in, play really well, get a good lead. Subs come in to sort of give those guys a break. And then that's when Arizona State was able to claw back a little bit. Right. Oh, so I think that covers it for the past games. We'll take a, a short little break and get into um, some more college team breakdown. 
if it amazes you, then you don't know anything about basketball. You're, you're uh, uh, illuminating your uh, relative lack of knowledge of the game with a statement like that. All right, so the first, uh, we're, we have two Big Ten teams left. In case you couldn't tell, we weren't just going to skip Michigan State and Michigan, even though I kind of would like to. But um, So we're going we're gonna to kick it off with Michigan State this weekend, or whatever day this is. Uh, so Michigan State already has two losses, um, one of which was to Kansas, who I think is just better, to be honest. Um, and then they also lost to a tough Louisville team on the road. Nothing terrible. Uh, kind of, at least I expected it a little bit. I thought Michigan State was a little bit worse this year than they have been in the past years. Um, but as just an overall overview of their team, they really like to play fast, kind of like UNC. Um, they really just push the ball, try to get quick shots, and it kind of results in, well, obviously results in short possessions for them. But they can take, they can fall into a trap of taking some bad shots. Um, especially Josh Langford occasionally can can pull a quick trigger. Um, and that's just one thing that I, I don't love about them. But overall, I mean, Josh Langford, Cassius Winston, and Nick Ward are their big three. Um, they're both special. Or all three of them are special, I guess I should say. Nick Ward is a guy that I think that's taken a pretty big leap this year, but I still feel he's pretty inconsistent. Um, it seems like he can either be dominant in the game or just a complete train, train wreck, and there's like no in-between for him. Um, but... I mean, they're a top three offense, play pretty solid defensively, and have a great coach in Tom Izzo. So they have pretty close to a full package. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, they play fast through Winston. Uh, if they get a defense rebound, they look for Winston first, get it out to him, try to get up the sideline to Lankford. Um, Aarons doesn't really touch the ball in transition unless it's a layup. Um and, and, yeah, I mean, Nick Ward tries to beat you down the court. He does a good job of sprinting the lane, lane to lane, and sort of trying to seal if he, got, he has a guy behind him for, a, like, a lob over the top. So I really like the way he does that. Um, but Nick Ward is very heavy left-handed. Uh, tries to get to that left hand every time he touches in the post. And if you just lean on his right shoulder, if he's got his back to you, uh, he seems to – to struggle, especially since, I mean, he's listed at what six eight, six nine. Yeah, I don't even, I don't even know if he's really that. I mean, Kenny Goins is six seven, and they look like they're the same height. So, um, he he really does struggle. I was watching the Florida game, and they just they scouted the heck out of him, and just was were on top on his top shoulder, and he could not get to the left hand. He, I mean, he's, he had a good game, and that was just simply in transition and uh, backdoor cuts or back screens for him. But um, they they do like to, to run through him. They have an opening play where it's sort of Goins and um, Aarons are on the elbows. Um, Nick Ward and Langford are behind them. And basically, Langford runs around in circles a couple times. So he runs through. <laughs> um, Aaron's and Nick Ward kind of set like a half elevator screen. So what that means is a player runs in between two of his own players and they sh- close it, close the gap shoulder to shoulder. So it looks like elevator doors closing. So he sort of runs through that and then runs back around and then runs through it again. Um, really just to get the defense moving, help side coming. 
And um, all it's doing is allowing for Nick Ward to get a duck in in front of the hoop. So just a lot of movement that goes into that. Um, but, yeah, Langford I think is really good. What do you like about him? Yeah, I mean, I look at him as like a DeMar DeRozan type of guy where he's just a king of the mid-range. He, he's all about his mid-range jumper. He loves that, like, little elbow extended. It, knock it down right there. Um, I mean, he's their go-to guy. Like, kind of what you were just saying, they pretty much have three, three ways to score. It's Langford in isolation, Cassius Winston off a of pick-and-roll, or Nick Ward on a duck-in or a post stuff um they don't really do a whole lot else but Langford is I think by far and away their best player yeah um he doesn't need a lot of space to get a bucket um one he can't uh, consistently create enough space he kind of has a slow first step um for the, the position he plays so he relies a lot on step backs and just hitting contested jumpers um, which he's done well this year so far. I mean, shooting 40, 43% from three. A lot of those are on kickouts, but um, his mid-range game, he's he's really in hitting tough shots. Uh, gets to his tries to get to his spots on the wing uh, and knock down jumper. And has a good handle to get to the hoop too. Um, but I I love Cassius Winston. I think he's just so controlled. He's he has the ball constantly in his hands, um, running pick and rolls. He's getting the ball to Langford in his spots. He's getting Nick Ward on the duck in. He's getting him in the post. Um, but he does a really good job of just controlling tempo. If they don't have anything, he's going to get the ball back and run a, t- a high pick and roll. So, um, yeah, I mean, Michigan State really runs through those three. Um Matt McQuaid's coming back from injury. Um, he's just a knockdown shooter for them. And then they just rotate three big bodies um, in the paint. Really, Xavier Tillman, Kenny Goins, and Nick Lord, all sort of similar type players, just real solid. I think Goins is the whitest at 230, so just big, big, big dudes. Um, and then Aaron Henry just comes off the bench, Good defender, um, doesn't shoot. Much. Yeah, I think. Go ahead. I think Aaron Henry is going to be awesome for them. He's called my bar. Um, he made some huge shots in the Florida game down the stretch. Yeah, and also played pretty well against Louisville late too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he he like he'll take the shots that are given to him. Um, never sort of overextend himself offensively, but will play defense. Um, little handsy defensively. Yeah, he's just gonna. Go ahead. He, he's just going to do a lot right, and he's very athletic. He's he, he needs to be on the floor more, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, he's only averaging just under 15 minutes a game. Um, but as a freshman, they don't play freshman a ton at Michigan State, unless you're like Miles Bridges, Jaron Jackson, that type of player. Um, but Aaron Henry's a little bit farther down the top 100 list than those guys, so I think he's going to slowly come along. But I wouldn't be surprised if he plays a lot come February, March. Yeah, it's just tough. He's he's really behind um, Winston and Lankford. Um, those guys are playing 30-plus minutes a game. Um, he subs in for Aarons a little bit, uh, but I think they prefer to have Matt McQuay take those minutes, um, and that's just Izzo liking his seniors. Uh, yep. 
So, yeah, I, I do like Aaron Henry a lot, especially for next season for them. Um, going to have Winston. Winston will be back. I don't know about Langford, but um, I would like I think Langford should come back. Yeah, no, I, I think he should come back for sure. Um, but you never know who gets in their ears. But I think those three um, next year would be really solid. Uh, trio, especially with Nick Ward. Oh, I guess Nick Ward's a junior. I feel like he's been yeah. there forever. Holy cow. <laughs> it's because these guys have all played pretty much from day one. Yeah. Um, yeah, Any anything else you want to touch on with Michigan State? Um, I mean, we've talked about how we think Michigan State and Michigan are the clear two top teams in the Big Ten. Um, I think Michigan State has more of an identity right now than Michigan, which we're about to get to in a second. But I just think that I would give the kind of the lead right now to Michigan State, and I think they'll probably win the Big Ten, and then finish, I think they'll be a top two seed for sure in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, um, I think with their the amount of co- uh, minutes continuity they have, um, I, I think they're they're just gonna. Every game's going to be close with the big games. Um, they'll pull them out and just be able to to win the Big Ten. But yeah, I definitely agree. They they have that up up tempo type of game that they want to play, and they can get to it pretty easily. Um, but yeah, let's let's jump into to Michigan. What do you think about these guys? Yeah, so Michigan, I think, has one of the best mixes of offense defense in the country. Um, Currently, they have the 26th highest rated offense and fourth highest rated defense. Um, definitely more defense oriented than offense. They do like to play really slow. Um, I actually saw a stat they're 332nd out of 353 teams in tempo and pace, which is <laughs> that's crawling. Um, so, as a strictly jump shooting team, that can cause a little bit of a problem. They like to shoot plenty of threes, that's how they get most of their offense. Um, so they're going to use a lot of the shot clock, work the ball around, and try to find the best jump shot. Um, if you play a good defensive team at a slow tempo like that, you can run into a, a few problems for sure. Um, and then I think the other biggest thing for them is they're really limited inside. Pretty much they just have Teske as their big guy, and they really don't have anything beyond that. Um, they're they're going to play mostly four guards. You can call some of their guards forwards, but that would really be pushing it. Um, so I think they can be susceptible to some bigger teams, or at least some teams with super athletic four man. Like I could see Zion just ruining Michigan. Someone like that. Obviously, there's not a whole lot of Zions in the country, but someone athletic as a four man that can kind of play on the wing and also inside. Um, but as the theme of the, that, we'll find out. We have a transfer heavy type of teams today, mm-hmm. um, and Charles Matthews, who's a transfer from Kentucky, is pretty much the go-to and one of the, if not the best, one of the best players on Michigan. I think he kind of has to step up in, in the closer games and the bigger games. He usually does in the big games, but if you look at their games where they've been close this year and haven't necessarily played their best, he hasn't played well or he hasn't demanded jump shots at least. Um, but another guy, Jordan Poole, 48% from three, hit the game winner against Houston last year. If any of you watched that game, in the tournament, just an unbelievable double clutch. Never had a doubt that it was going in as soon as he left his hand. Um, and then one more guy, uh, 
part of the Canadian influx. We kind of just talked about Lou Dort from Arizona State, Iggy from uh, Michigan. Same thing, Canadian Canadian freshman that is just blowing people away right now. Um, he's been way better than I thought he was going to be. But I think he needs to be more of a focal point, um, at least on their offense right now. Yeah, so funny thing about Michigan's offense is actually the same offense that I ran in college. Um, they have a ton of set plays to their disposal. They may not run them um, every game or – um, it, they're very situational. Uh, like, for example, they'll, they'll run a 1-4 low. So point guard has the ball up top. Then they'll have Matthews and Poole in the corners, Teske and Bresdikas in on the blocks. Um, and Simpson will sort of dribble towards um, Bresdikas, and he'll set like a half ball screen. Um, just to slip to get open, um, so he'll slip to get to the top of the key. Simpson will turn and throw him the ball, and he has a one-on-one where he has shooters on the corners and Teske down low for a drop-off. So they have quick hitters like that, but their offense is really predicated on read and react. Um, so it it really um, is effective when you have good passing bigs. So a guy like Teske who's decently a decent passer, um, just as huge and can see over the defense. So um, that benefits him. But what they do is sort of get the ball to the elbow um, and cut off of that. So they'll do a lot of backdoor cuts, a lot of curl cuts, um, just a lot of different things to make the defense make decisions, whether they want to switch it or, um, or fight through screens. So it's really effective when they're able to get the ball into a big and then run a curl screen, have them come off a dribble handoff and get into the lane and kick it out to a corner shooter. Um, so their, their offense really predicates on that. And they, they do a good job of it. Um, just the only things that, like you said, it's mostly guards that are, that are on this team surrounded Teske. Um, I mean, Brazdinkis, he's six seven, strong dude. He's a solid forward. But I, I think everyone else is a shooting guard or point guard. Um, like Charles Matthews, I think is best at shooting guard, but so is Jordan Poole and Isaiah Livers. <laughs> they're really just shooting guys that can create their shot. Um, they're, they're really yep. just sort of a wing scorer. But... Yeah, and then we should we should probably hit on Xavier Simpson too, who's another one of the better point guards in the Big Ten. Um, I don't think he's as good as Cassius Winston, um, and I also think he's he's slightly overrated. I think he gets a little bit more credit than he's actually earned right now. Um, I, I think he doesn't really understand what a good shot is yet, or how to get the guy. which I think will come. He's still young. He's got plenty of time to figure that out. But I think they need a little bit better play from him in order to, to be a championship-caliber team. I mean, so far, they've already beaten UNC, which is a good win, but it was at home. Um, they were tested on the road uh, against Northwestern, who I don't think is a tournament team. I think that's always going to be tough. Um, but I think they play Wisconsin January 19th at Wisconsin. 
And I think after that game, we'll really be able to say a lot more about what this team is and how good they really are. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they got a pretty light schedule. Um, Indiana at home, I think, will be a good game. Um, but, yeah, I think that West Council game is where their first true test comes in. Um, even even Minnesota at home, I know we've covered Minnesota already, um, but Minnesota has a ton of length, uh, and I think that could be a problem for them because Daniel Turo, um, Teske's better right now just because he's been around. He's a little bit bigger, stronger, um, but Oturo could hand his own. But Jordan Murphy and Rezdingas matchup is going to be fun. And then, I mean, Amir Coffee against Charles Matthews. I mean, that's a really good matchup that I think will be a good game. And it's after a tough Wisconsin game, only a few days after, and then they go away to Indiana the next the next game. So it could be a trap game for sure there. Oh yeah, the good old fashioned trap games. Yeah, it, it's really shaping up to be on, and it just happens to be on my birthday. So. Um, <laughs> Hey, there we go. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, this team is super, super light with the rotation. Um, everyone averages just about 30 minutes in the starting lineup. And then Isaiah Livers averaged 21, then not really much after that. I mean, Eli Brooks just gives Simpson a break. And honestly, if you look at the games they've played against, if you look at the games they've played against better teams, Livers hasn't really played a whole lot, um, and they just, I mean they're they're almost only playing five guys in those games. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Beeline when when the th- when the games on the line or it's they they have a chance of losing grip on a lead or something like that, it's going to be the starting five that's in there, um, and they're going to run them as much as they can. Um, because, I mean, the guys that are on the, coming off the bench, I mean, Livers has skill and can get hot, um, but Brooks and Austin Davis are just placeholders. Um, no offense to those guys. I think Austin Davis stinks. <laughs> um, he's just he's just a big body. That's really all he is. Um, I think when he's in the game, he should be attacked. Often when um, Michigan's on defense, uh, whether that's on the block, is really easy to sort of attack his front hip and he can't move his feet fast enough and just get around him. Um, but yeah, I think Eli Brooks is just, just a classic backup guard, college guard. So, um, yeah, they're very light, uh, especially, um, in the backcourt front court. I mean, <laughs> um, yeah, that's, I always feel like those are backwards kind of, yeah, it's weird. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but anything else you want to talk about these guys? No, I think, again, just like Michigan State, probably a top two, top three seed in the tournament. I don't think they're going to lose a whole lot of conference games. Um, really, honestly, the two Michigan teams are in the same boat right now. Um, but I think we can get to transfer university next. <laughs> Um, so if you don't know what team that is, that is Nevada University. Um, they have – they run about nine guys, their rotation. Um, 
and only one of them is not a transfer. He just happens to be a freshman. So um, <laughs> if you're on this team, you've come from a different school, sometimes multiple schools like Trey Porter. Um, but I think that's a, a good and a bad thing for them because they have a ton of seniors, a um, ton of upperclassmen, but they don't, they haven't played that much together. Uh, so they're still, I think, sort of figuring each other out, especially when um, the first subs come in. I think guys like Jazz Johnson, Nazare Zuzwa, and um, Corey Hen- Henson, um, those guys haven't played much with the starters. So um, I think that could, that can hurt them. What do you think of these guys? Yeah, I mean, everyone knows Nevada for their offense. They're a top five offense. I think they're even better than that, honestly. They just haven't shot the ball as well as expected yet. Um, they have four pretty solid wins. They beat Loyola Chicago at, at uh, on the road. They beat USC on the road. They beat Grand Canyon, who has a crazy home environment. It wasn't at Grand Canyon, but it was in, in Arizona. So I guess a little bit kind of like a home. Um, at Nevada, and they held Mike Dom to five points, um, which is unbelievable. He, we'll talk about them at some point this year, but he's really special. Uh, he's one of the better players in the country that probably a lot of people haven't heard of, but they're going to make the tournament like they do every year, and he's going to have a 30-15 and 15 game, and people are going to be like, who is this guy? Um, but that's a good win. Uh, and then... The only thing I think that, that worries me a little bit about them is with their offense, when they have to play fast, uh, they can take some really bad shots, especially the Martin Twins are the, the two, I think, most susceptible to that. Um, they they play just a fast-paced, run-and-gun type of game where they kind of just look for the first best shot, take it. Um, and sometimes that their idea of the best shot isn't exactly a good shot. Um, so I think they kind of need to figure that out going forward, but they have as good of a shot to go undefeated as any team in the country. Yeah. I mean, um, I was a fan of this team watching sort of highlights, um, watching games here and there. Um, but when I sort of really sat down and watched games start to finish, um, I realized there's a lot wrong with this team. Um, they have one of the lowest turnover percentages in the country, um, but I think that's a very misleading stat because a bad shot is a turnover in my mind. Um, and they take a ton, a ton of bad shots. Uh, the Martin Twins, uh, I don't know. I wish I had some of their confidence. Um, <laughs> their shooting form is just so fundamentally wrong that when they take bad shots they're if they make them they seem like they're great NBA players and if they miss them they don't look like they belong on a high school court because it's just they're clanking off the rim left or right Um, it just their shooting form doesn't allow them to miss soft so a lot of times it leads to a long rebound um, and then an up and down game. I think they got lucky against South Dakota State. Uh, like you said, Mike Dom and is it Perkins. Um, 
trying to think of their lead guard, their second leading scorer. Um, I think you're right. Yeah, I think it's Perkins. Um, both those guys just shot really poorly. It was nothing they did. Nevada did well, and they just got in bad foul trouble. Mike down there was a couple of questionable calls early in the first half, um, and he never got going. And, and I think if one or two of those calls don't be made, uh, aren't made, then I don't think Nevada wins that game. But with all that negative things being said, they still are very skilled. They still have a ton of talent on the team. Jordan Caroline's one of my favorite college players out there just because he plays so hard. Um, Trey Porter has a ton of talent. Uh, he's very emotional. Um, so what do you think of Trey Porter? Yeah, I mean, I think he's he's very – I think he has the ability to be very special, but I don't think he he utilizes his skills enough um, – and I honestly think it's more about how that team is laid out. Or, you know, you have Cody as the Cody Martin, like the distributor point guard, if you want to call him a distributor, but the primary ball handler and looks to get involved. And then Caleb is the go-to guy and scorer. And obviously as twins and brothers, they're relying on each other a little bit more. And then Jordan Caroline is like the put it all together. Like just always has, always doing something right. If he doesn't play well, well, pretty much Caleb needs to be unconscious in order to win the game. Um, and if they're both bad, it's over. So, like, Trey falls in this weird spot on the team that there's no, like, set role for him. And I think it kind of – that to go along with his emotional attitude, it kind of – it forces him into, like, a weird spot. Yeah. I mean, they try to get him involved early. Um, it's something that – The they... first play is always for him every yeah. single time. Yeah. So, what they like to do um, – is sort of get him moving. So they start him off in the block, um, have, have Cody bring it up, get the ball to him, run off a fake sort of dribble handoff, and then he gets it out to Caroline. And then they set a double stagger screen for him um, coming off to get to get him to the block. And they just let him do whatever he wants, um, surrounding him with um, Caleb, Thurman, and, and Caroline, and Cody Martin there. Um so they do they do a really good job getting him early um, because I think they understand he's emotional. If he's not touching the ball early, he's not going to be playing well. Um, so try to get him started. And then I like Treshawn Thurman a lot just because he's just a glue guy. Um, doesn't shoot the ball like crazy, just hits open shots. Um, more of a ball mover um, and just plays hard on defense. He almost kind of reminds me of um, Tory Craig on the Nuggets, who used to play for South Carolina Upstate. Um, but yeah, I like that starting five, and then they bring Jazz Johnson, who's one of the best shooters, one of the smartest shooters in college. Um, just only takes open shots, gets a ton of lift on his jump shot, and uh, has a. Career. He's also. Go ahead. He's the number one rated. He's the number one offensive rated player in the country right now. Yeah, he has a crazy offensive rating of 165 and a half points per 100 possessions. <laughs> like Kyle, Kyle got. It's kind of skewed based on minutes, but still. Yeah, but Kyle Young, I thought had a crazy one. He was at like 146, 
well, this is just unbelievable. Like, it's just, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, he's, he's very small. He's, he's listed at 5'10", probably 5'8", 5'9", but just his lift on his jump shot is what allows him to get separation. Um, he has a really quick release, but he does a really good job of knowing the defensive closeout and will pump fake and just have one dribble pull up, which he's really effective at. Um, but to to move from one of the best shooters in the country to one of the worst, Nesre um, <laughs> Zuzwa is just – he might as well kick the ball up to the rim this year. I don't know what's going on. Um, just has not shot the ball. He's 2 of 19 from 3, um, which quick math is 11% rounding up. So Impressive. Thanks. I'm here all day. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Not really. <laughs> yeah, no. But he, he he's averaging 8.7 minutes a game right now, and when he's in, he's shooting over a quarter of the shots. Um, <laughs> so it's just an incredible combination of shooting 23% overall from the field and shooting 26% of the shots. Um, so he's now that's shoot. confidence right there. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think it's just sort of the, the mentality that Nevada has instilled is just confident, play confident. Um, he's going to come around. Um, I think he transferred from Bryant College um, and shot, yeah. shot much yep. better there. I think he was like in, in the high 30s, mid-30s for from three, if I remember correctly. But um, it'll come around. It's just... I th- they need a lot, a lot more from him if he's going to be shooting the way he's shooting. Um, but someone I think that has a ton of potential that isn't playing that much right now is Jordan Brown. Um, talk a little bit more about him. Yeah, I, I also had him under the same category. He's he's a really good athletic big. Um, he's a freshman, so I don't think he's. I mean, you get these other these other transfers that are playing tons of minutes, and, and they have a lot of college experience, so it kind of makes sense. But um, I think as the season goes on, he's going to get to earn Eric Musselman's trust a little bit more. But yeah, he's super athletic. Uh, um, he's a little bit raw still, so I think that leads to a lot of his inconsistencies. But I think that's a player that, like, that's one of the better recruits Nevada's ever gotten, and I think he has a chance to be really special. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's like similar to Trey Porter in that six eleven athletic frame. Um, he can learn from Trey, and, and I think he has a lot of potential um, offensively. Uh, he's only taken one three; and he didn't make it. Um, but I think he's going to come around and really, if not this year, next year, um, sort of come to his own. Uh, they're going to lose a ton of guys next year. I mean, their their entire starting lineup are seniors. So, um, if not this year, by the end of the year, um, expect big things from Jordan Brown next year. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that's Nevada, I think, in a nutshell. Uh, I, I, they can definitely go undefeated. Um, but playing Akron, winning by six at home against Akron, uh, by four against South Dakota State, I just, I'm not confident they're going to go undefeated. Yeah, I think they're gonna. It's gonna be a, it's a team that's favored by like five or six, and at least five or six in every game 
from here on out. Um, that doesn't mean they're going to win it, all of them, but I, I think they're very susceptible to a slip up here and there. I just think that with the the schedule that they have to play, they've already played all their difficult games, um, so they obviously have a, a good shot. I do still think they'll be a one seed because if they do lose, I can't see them losing more than twice unless something just goes really wrong. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I definitely see them. My guess is that they go twenty nine and two um, and get the last one seed. Um, just because I think teams will have stronger resumes. Um, but yeah. That's Nevada. Let's let's go on over um, a little bit further west and get to Gonzaga. Yes. So Gonzaga's really good. Um, they honestly might not be as good as we think they are right now, at least. Um, they do have the number one rated offense. They play very fast. It's sort of like Michigan. Um it get results in a ton of shots for for the team playing and themselves also. So definitely look at the over anytime you watch a Gonzaga game. Um, but they do foul a lot, which I think is like their one major flaw at least right now. Um, they rely on Josh Perkins as their as their point guard, who's one of the top assist guys in the country. I believe he's currently third in in college basketball on assists per game. Um, but if you look at their losses, he's actually been close to awful in their losses. Uh, a lot of turnovers in those games, especially against North Carolina. That was a very, very poor effort. Um, Rui, we've talked about him plenty of times. I think the more I watch him, I learn that he's still very, very raw as a, as a basketball player. He's just still learning the game. Definitely still has a long way to go. Um, but that only is a, that's only going to help him because he's already so special as it is that by the time he like fully learns the game and, and understands everything, he's going to just keep getting better. Kind of like Joel Embiid just is still barely learning the game, doesn't honestly understand a lot to do with the game yet, and is already so elite. Um, I could see Rui having the same type of, of leap at some point in his career. And then also Zach Norvell, who's just <laughs> like he's a – he wants to be the guy so bad. He steps up in the biggest games, um, takes a ton of jumpers, and and honestly, really questionable idea of a good shot. Uh, he does make his fair share of them, so I can't hate it too much. But sorry about that technical difficulty. Um. Apparently, experiencing some bad weather. <laughs> um, but <laughs> <laughs> that is true. New York is, is getting hammered right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's always sunny here in Denver. So, um, but yeah, I, I think um, Rui is, like you said, still learning the game, but still brings a sort of a dominant layer that Gonzaga. I don't think had a type of player. Um, I guess the bonus was pretty good. Um, in that aspect, um, like other than that, they haven't really had that type of player. Um, and like you said, Zach Norvell. Sabonis was a different. Oh. Sabonis was a different way too. Like he he kind of needed other people to get him good going because he was a post player, whereas Rui can kind of do it himself. So it's it's definitely the first type of go getter they had like that. 
Yeah, for sure. There's, um, and it's interesting because he, I mean, he basically starts at center. Uh, I mean, Brandon Clark obviously stays, starts there or plays there. Um, I mean, between those two, those are the back. That's the front court right there. Because Corey Kispert, um, he's basically a guard. Um, and then obviously Zach Norvell and Josh Perkins. Um, and then they bring guys off the bench like Jeremy Jones, um, Petrosiv, and Greg Foster. I mean, sorry, <laughs> Greg Foster barely plays, but uh, Gino Crandell. Um, they're really, I think they're really missing Killian Tillian, Killian Tilly. Um, right now, <laughs> uh, when he comes back, which have you heard anything about when he comes, he's coming back? Yeah, they think some point in January, uh, probably earlier than later. It's kind of just a matter of getting them back to game speed and stuff. Yeah. Um, I, I just think it's going to be nice to have his, his shooting ability with his size. Um, I mean, besides um, Philip, they don't really play anyone taller than six eight. So having him be able to stretch the floor um, outside of Norvell, really. I mean, Perkins is shooting the ball well from three, but doesn't take a ton. Um, and same with uh, Kispert. So it'll be good to have him to stretch the floor. Um, but I like this Gonzaga team. They're definitely susceptible to, to upsets. Um, just because the the reliance on Rui getting his own shot and Norvell getting his own shot um, without shooters around them is tough. Um, so once Tilly comes back, I think this is a different team that can go Final Four deep for sure. Yeah, I don't really expect them to lose another game this year. Um, they definitely are susceptible to upsets, but playing in the West Coast Conference, they're not playing a ton of talent. Um, San Francisco is really good this year, honestly. That's a team that has a chance, maybe, but I don't think Gonzaga Gonzaga should not lose a conference game at all. Um, I honestly, the only other thing I have to say about Gonzaga is just I'd, I'd like to see them slow it down. I think they play really fast, and that can that can definitely help them in some aspects. But the the team that they put on the floor is really capable of half court offense. They have a lot of guys that can play with the ball in their hands. I think they could really utilize a pick and roll, pick and pop um, with Brandon Clark and Rui and especially Killian Tilly. Uh, and I feel like, I mean, they obviously already have the number one rated offense, so why change anything? But I just think if, if they really use the half-court offense more, they wouldn't have to be so perfect in their offense. Um, and I, I feel like it would just help them a lot. Yeah, I think they should run more set plays for Rui um, to – get him away from trying to create his own shot right now. He's still learning his go-to move. Um, so I think if uh, a Rui, Brandon Clark pick and roll or Rui's handling the ball uh, would be would be a lot of fun um, with Norvell sort of lifting up to the top of the key. Um, but, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, it's they're extremely efficient offensively just because they get a lot of easy buckets. Um but there's a lot of potential with this team. Um, do you want to get into your college trade, college picks? Yeah, so I, I can give you a trade first because this kind of works with 
basically what we were just talking about. Um, so Killian Tilly is someone that personally, at least, I don't think he's nearly as good as everyone says. He's definitely a very good college basketball player. But these people are saying he's a first-round draft pick, and I just that blows me away, kind of. Um, he's a pick-and-pop four, and he's very capable of doing that in college. Uh, he he made 11 straight threes in the West Coast Conference Tournament last year, and people just like anointed him one of the best players in college. And honestly, I don't know where it came from. Like, I understand 11 threes in a row is awesome, but <laughs> you got to do a lot more than just that to be a really good basketball player. Um, so, obviously, Gonzaga is already really good, really good as it is. And you and I have both just said they could definitely use another shooter, and I think they definitely could use like another go-to kind of get your own shot type of guy. Um, so I'm going to make a trade of Killian Tilly for Chris Wilkes on UCLA. Um, I think UCLA is a little bit in rebuild mode. Um, Chris Wilkes is a guy I think that's gone after this year anyways. Killian Tilly shouldn't be, but maybe he is too. Um, but I think Chris Wilkes him shooting and bring like a long athletic wing. So you could have a lineup of Perkins, Norvell, Chris Wilkes, Rui, and Brandon Clark, and I think that just adds way more. Because as it is, if you bring Tilly in, you're either moving Rui to the three and just playing with a massively big lineup, or you're bringing one of those guys off the bench. And I, either way, I don't think that's as good as having a legit small forward come in and Chris Wilkes. Yeah, I really like that for Gonzaga. Um, Corey, yeah, I don't know how like I don't like it for UCLA, but <laughs> yeah, but UCLA they've. They've had their time. Um, uh, I mean, having Corey Kispert start, I think I think he's a solid player. Plays hard, plays solid defense, does a lot of things right, um, but feels more of a um, sort of like a Britzel on Wisconsin come off the bench and just bring that energy. Um, whereas yep. Wilkes is a starter, um, NBA type player, um, is what they're definitely missing is having that wing. Um, so, yeah, I really like that. I would – of UCLA, I'd probably ask for Jeremy Jones as well, but yeah. – um, I could throw him in there for you. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's good. So, what's your pick for this week? Try to get one right this time? All right, so, yeah, to get off the snot here. <laughs> um, I, well, last week I said I was going to go with home teams, and you saw how that worked out. My own freaking school – screwed me out of that one then even straight up lost not only didn't cover but this week i'm gonna go with belmont who's gonna be plus 11 at purdue tomorrow um we've talked about purdue plenty carson edwards is amazing but beyond that what do they really have um and belmont's a team that already has their last two wins actually um at ucla and then home against western kentucky uh western kentucky is really good they're not going to be talking about a ton but i think that's a tournament team for sure with Charles Bassey, who's a special player, um, who we'll get to before the NBA draft, I'm sure. But, uh, yeah, so Belmont plus 11 at Purdue. I think Belmont will make the tournament. They only have one loss right now. It's not a bad loss at all. Um, and, honestly, I just think that they're better than Purdue. I wouldn't – since Purdue's at home, I don't think Belmont's going to beat them, but it wouldn't surprise me if they did. Yeah, honestly, I didn't see that that game. and then I, I actually think you might get one right here. Jinx. Um, <laughs> so I'm on a, a perfect streak here, so that completely jinxed it. Um, <laughs> toot toot. 
trying to go five and zero in college here, um, and I'm gonna go with um, the team that we talked about today. Um, Nevada's playing at Utah Saturday tomorrow, um, and they're favored by ten. And I'm gonna take Utah plus ten. Um, I think Nevada just struggles to put teams away. Um, they struggle to really in that sort of middle part of the game, the end of the first half, early second half. Um, they struggle to play well then, um, which results in games where they win by, what was it, four or six to Akron, um, six to South Dakota State. Um, teams that they should be beating by 12, 12 to 15 points. They're only winning by single digits right now. So um, Utah at home, I think, can cover that 10-point margin. Yeah, I like that. I think Nevada definitely struggles to to win big, uh, sort of like Kansas. Um, And I think Utah is a pretty tough place to play. I didn't love Utah against Kentucky, um, but Kentucky's a whole different animal than Nevada, and I think I like that pick a lot, actually. Yeah, so – um, we'll see how that one goes, but those are our picks. Um, take a quick break here and get into the NBA. You know how to work a room, boy, I tell you. <laughs> Give him a hand, y'all. Give him a hand. All right, so we're going to cover two NBA teams here again. Um, team from the Western, Co- Western Conference we're going to cover is the Memphis Grizzlies, um, a team that started out really strong, um, kind of hit a little bit of a, losing streak, um, and, and they're now starting to recover from it. Um, they won two straight now after, um, I think it, what was it, four or five in a row, five five losses in a row. Um, so they're 18 and 16 right now. Um, with games playing right now, I'm not actually sure what seed they are, um, but definitely in the, in the thick of it. Um, what do you think so far of how they've played? Yeah, I mean, really, they've just gotten Mike Conley and Marcus All back and healthy um, from last year, and it's showing. They're right back to the same type of team they always have been, that grit and grind style that they love to play. Um, so, yeah, Conley and Gasol are awesome per usual. Uh, I don't think Gasol is as good as he has been recently so far this year, but I think he will eventually get there. And then Jaron Jackson Jr. has been great so far, especially like the last two weeks. He's been outstanding, um, already better than I thought. I thought it was, I thought he would be one of the better prospects from last year, but I thought it was going to take him longer, just because he's still young and raw. Um, but he's been awesome, and I think that's a a, a big time draft pick for them. Uh, and then one other thing that I thought of just when I was looking at the roster, just that I thought Javon Carter. Carter was literally made to be a Grizzly. Like, is that not the perfect fit of player and team you've ever seen? Yeah. I mean, the Grizzlies hit a home run with their draft. Um, grabbing Jaron Jackson Jr., which um, I'm a huge Luka fan, but I do think Jaron Jackson's ceiling is Anthony Davis. Um, if not slightly better, I think he's going to be – uh, I think he's going to be the best player from this draft. I think he's going to be close with Luca, but um, he's just been incredible. Um, he is incredible size, length, and really, really skilled um, for how raw he is. I mean, his shooting stroke is smooth. He's already hit 28 threes. Um, 
and he's just shooting the ball well from the free throw line from all over. Um, it's something they really need because the Grizzlies are just sort of known for having front court guys that don't shoot a great field goal percentage um, because they shoot a lot of jump shots like Marcus Saul, Jamichael Green, Zach Randolph shoot a lot of, shot a lot of jump shots towards the end. Um, so someone who can finish around the rim is so huge for the Grizzlies. And then obviously bringing in Javon Carter, like you said, the perfect, perfect Grizzly. Um, but I, I don't understand why people are surprised by the success of the Grizzlies. Um, two years ago, making the playoffs. And then last year, crazy amount of injuries, losing Conley, Gasol for most of the year. Um, really, we're playing with a bunch of, bunch of young rookies, uh, G League guys. Um, so. And fat Mario Chalmers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Chubby Mario Chalmers. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, this year getting back those guys healthy. Chandler Parsons is on his way. Um, signing Kyle Anderson, who I think was a huge signing for them. Um, just another playmaker out there to take some pressure off Conley is huge for them. So their starting lineup is, is really, really effective. Um, so they start Conley, Garrett Temple, um, Kyle Anderson, Jaron Jackson Jr., and Michael Saul. Um, that lineup has played 32 games so far, um, total th- 342 minutes, and they're a plus 68. Um, so they scored 68 more points than they've given up, which is ridiculous. Holy crap. <laughs> Um, so they have an extremely, extremely effective starting lineup and then they put their subs in and it just, their bench is, has been the biggest problem. Uh, they don't have really any playmakers that come off the bench. I like Jermichael Green a ton. I think he's just a tough dude. Um, played through a broken jaw this year, um, played through a ton of injuries, uh, but they just, they just don't have that playmaker. Sheldon Mack, um, I think he's been in the league two years too long. Um, <laughs> Is that all? <laughs> yeah. And he's the he's their backup point guard. So, um, I mean, every lineup Sheldon Max in, um, basically they're negative. So, um, they really need Javon Carter to come along stronger than um, they would have hoped. Dylan Brooks. Almost needs to become a pseudo point guard. Uh, to get Good luck. That. Yeah. Um, I mean, they really like Dylan Brooks here, clearly through that botch trade um, with the Wizards and Suns not knowing which Brooks it was. In that <laughs> team. Yeah, it sounds like that was more the Wizards' problem, but still. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, the Memphis GM. Blanket on his name right now. Um, but had no idea the trade was going on. Um, so they, but they came out and said they, that it was, would have been Marshawn Brooks because they valued Dylan Brooks more. So, um, yeah, I mean, they, they really need to add someone, someone to come off the bench as a playmaker. Um, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I obviously the numbers you just gave plus sixty eight with your starting lineup and then and you're like just over five hundred. Clearly something's going wrong. Um, so I would definitely agree. Uh, I mean, 
like I 100% agree with what you said too about the fact that people are surprised by this, but they were a playoff team two years ago, and last year the only reason they probably didn't make the playoffs was because of injury. Like when you lose someone like Conley and Gasol, that's by far your two best players and the heart of your team. It's going to be tough to make the playoffs with that roster. Yeah, and let's get a Conley All Star game, please. Seriously, um, it's it's due. He's got to be one of the best players of all time that have, hasn't made an all-star game. Uh, I mean, Kemba got his time a couple of years ago. Uh, I think it's Conley's turn. Um, but it's just so tough when there are 14 legit teams in the West. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I like this Memphis team a lot. Um, I think they, with um, Dave, nope. Who's your coach now? Holy cow. Bickerstaff, right? Bickerstaff. Wow. It's <laughs> Fisdale and Bickerstaff. I just ironically recovered those two today. Um, but <laughs> oh, yeah. Damn, I didn't even think of that. Um, but yeah, I mean, with, with Bickerstaff there, um, I think they got a, a good core here. Um, got like, What a situation to be a playoff team. Um, two years ago, have a off season, get the fourth pick, and come out with what should be the top player of the draft. Um, it's just going to be fun to watch this team grow um, because with Conley and Jaron Jackson, uh, I think they got a lot of potential there. Um, yeah. So you want to you want to throw more prospect then? Yeah. So um, this time I did a little more um, <laughs> research for this part where. So that they have their first round pick is their own only if it lands between one and eight. Um, and if it doesn't land one through eight, then it goes to Boston. Um, so realistically, I think they're um, seven, eight, nine, ten seed in the, in the West is sort of where I think they'll land. Um, which would mean the only way they get their pick is if they get the top three pick. Um, so with that in mind, um, I said R.J. Barrett. Well, that was – see, I clearly didn't prepare enough because I did not know that, <laughs> um, which is why I said Nikhil Alexander-Walker. But, yes, if they get a top three pick, that would be quite a reach. So I would definitely go with R.J. Barrett as well. Yeah. What, what, what's funny is that um, – I'd put if they did end up getting their own pick and they were in the end of the lottery, that Nikhil Alexander Walker was my next pick. <laughs> and then my other option was so I said Nikhil Alexander Walker if they missed the playoffs as like a eight or a nine ten seed somewhere around there. And then if they did make the playoffs, I think a very similar player that will just get picked slightly after is Jarrett Culver. Yeah, I, I like that. And the way he plays defense and then his shooting ability, I just feel like that's just ideal for Memphis. Definitely a good, good fit. Good fit. Um, but now that we know none of that's possible, we guess we don't have to worry about that. So <laughs> Boston, you're going to get a good player around there if you take one of those wings, but you don't need any wings. So once again. <laughs> so uh, a couple other guys that I put in there, um, Rui was one of them because I think uh, a Rui, Jaron Jackson front court would be a lot of fun. Um, having Jaron at the center and Rui at the four um, with Kyle Anderson and uh, Conley. A um, ton of playmaking out there and scoring. Um, but I also put Jonte Porter 
Um, it's we're not going to know really where he's going to end up with the draft because he tore his ACL, um, and really sort of towards the combine where he can measure. Um, I guess measure again, but I think it would be fun for him to learn behind Gasol. Sort of, he's a great passer, sort of skilled big. Um, doesn't really have like incredible strength, but is smart. So I think it would be fun to see him grow behind them. Yeah, that would, and they're very similar players. So that would, I think that would work well. Yeah, and I think the teams that do the best in the draft is they draft players that are the best available and that um, are almost at a position of strength. But are, so, for example, the Thunder draft is Steven Adams um, when they had Perkins. Um, still with two years left on his deal. Um, so sort of draft someone to develop them, even if you're at the edge of the lottery. Don't sort of draft the position that you desperately need because you have free agency, you can take shots on guys. Um, so which leads me to my next question for you. What sort of, I don't know if you'll know this off the top of your head, but some free agents that you'd like to see there. I mean, I think they have a decent amount of front court depth, um, but I, I do think they could use. I think Javon Carter's good. I I don't think he's necessarily a, a solid NBA player um, that is like a legit rotation guy. So I think they could use another guard because um, you just said Sheldon Mack is is two years too long in the league. Uh, off the top of my head, I honestly couldn't tell you a point guard that they could look for, but someone like that. Yeah, um, so some point guards that are going to be available. Um, so obviously Kyrie, Kemba, um, sort of the top of the class, D'Angelo Russell, Ricky Rubio. Um, Rubio would be an interesting fit there. Um, but I don't think he's like that type of style. So what I did is, so I created five categories. Dream guy, sort of a reach a realistic option, sort of a backup to that, and then someone they probably could get. Um, so the re- the dream for them is Kawhi Leonard, obviously, would fit in. Oh, yeah, for sure. Perfectly there, but um, then the reach would be Chris Middleton, um, give him more shooting, um, defending type wing. Um, realistic type of option, I said was Kelly Oubre. I know he's restricted free agent. Um, they try to trade for him. He's an athlete, so they clearly, clearly like him. I think he fits in well there with that culture. Um, <clears throat> and then sort of a backup to that would be Trevor Ariza. Um, and then uh, someone they probably could get and take a shot on um, would be Jabari Parker. So um, obviously I went wing there just because I think they can get um, – a guard in the draft and, and develop one. Um, so I think they just need some more uh, wing scoring. Yeah, I mean, I think they're in a good spot. They can, they can, they, they obviously have like a, a solid team in place as, as it is. So I think they can be a little bit pick and choose um, and just get someone that either fits the system or is the best available in both scenarios. Yeah. 
Yeah, and they and they do a good job being patient and going after guys that that they want, like Kyle Anderson. And honestly, if they just do what they did last year with this draft class, I don't know that they need to sign a free agent. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, yeah, let, let's jump into to the Eastern Conference team, which this year we're doing, or this year this this podcast we're doing the New York Knicks, um, a team that. Uh, sort of has a lot of different young guys that don't necessarily fit together, uh, but they have a lot of taking the chances, taking chances on a lot of guys. Um, what do you think about the Knicks? Yeah, you nailed it right there. Um, I think Emmanuel Moutier has been just outstanding, especially the last maybe five or six games. He has a couple thirty-point games thrown in there. Like he's been really special. Um, a guy that Denver sort of kind of gave up on and the Knicks took a chance on and it's really worked out for him so far. Obviously, they hit on Alonzo Trier pretty good um, as an undrafted free agent who now has already signed a long-term, well, decently long-term contract. Um, and then Tim Hardaway Jr. is just the, the bounce-around veteran that seems to always end up on the Knicks and has been pretty good so far this year. Uh, and then one other guy, Noah Vonley, who was so young when he came out of Indiana and didn't really do anything in Portland, uh, has now really taken a huge step forward and kind of looks like what everyone thought he was going to look like coming out of college. Yeah, Noah Vonley has been someone I've been very impressed with. Uh, he's got a ton of potential because, I mean, he's still super young um, and it's sort of coming to his own. He's really understanding the game now. It's coming. It's slowing down for him. You can tell. Um, I really like what they've, the shot they took on him, um, and I think they can re-sign him for pretty cheap. Um, Moutier, yeah, like you said, I mean, he's just been what he was supposed to be out of the draft. Um, he, I think he needed time to adjust to the game, playing in China instead of college. I think kind of messed with him. Because China is basically an all-star game um, where there's not much defense. Try to get up and down. I mean, guys are scoring 70 points left and right. You got Joe Young averaging 40 or 50 points a game. Jimmer averaging 50. Like, it's it's a totally, totally different game. So, I think it took them a while to adjust. Um, and being in a system like Denver's um, never made sense for him. Um Denver's very get the ball out of your hands, move around, move the ball and get the best shot, play through Jokic. So Mounier's a type of guard that needs the ball in his hands. Um, but Knox has been playing well. Um, I think he's still learning a lot. He's very young. Um, I thought it was a little bit of a reach for him, for the Knicks to draft him then. Um, I understand wanting to get a, a scoring wing. Um, but I feel like he has a long way to go. Um, he's going to be inconsistent for a while. Um, what do you think about Knox? Yeah, he, he's even said it himself. He like, hasn't been able to put together a full game yet. He seems like he's been pretty good in the first half of a lot of games and then just disappears. Uh, he's a very, he's a volume type of shooter. He's a streaky scorer. And he kind of he definitely disappears from time to time. Uh, I understand, like you said, getting a wing. Like if you think of a lot of the elite teams in the league, they always have a go-to 
legit wing. Um, think of like LeBron, Kevin Durant, Paul George, those kind of guys. So I, I definitely get the idea, but I was not very sold on Kevin Knox. Um, he's really raw. He picked up basketball. I want to say his junior year of high school is when he, like he legitimately committed to basketball. He was a football wide receiver. Um, and then just kind of chose, didn't like football that much anymore and chose basketball had offers from Duke, Kentucky, Florida state, like you name it. He had a chance to go there. So he's definitely, you can see the potential, you can see the ability and he's a, a big time project, uh, um, which is kind of weird for the Knicks to take on with their, how they were last year, at least um, in their current state of their team, but we'll see what happens with it. Yeah. I mean, Kevin Knox is going to be a good player. Don't get me wrong. I think he has a lot of good tools, um, great size, um, gets it at times. Like you can see, I think it was against Atlanta. He had like 16 points in the first, first like 15 minutes of the game. Um, I think in the first quarter he had 17. Yeah, something like where he really went off. And then I think he ended up with like 22 points. Yeah, um, I don't even know if it was that many. <laughs> yeah, so like – um, still trying to figure it out, but I, I thought it was weird just because Mikel Bridges, Miles Bridges, Michael Porter Jr., um, these guys are still there. Um, and that's what it's interesting you said, Michael Porter Jr., because obviously the Knicks already punted on the season having Kristaps be injured. So to have a chance to steal someone like Michael Porter Jr., let him sit the whole year and just recover, and then bring back him with. Kristaps next year and then with the hopes of having a top three pick this year that could turn into like RJ or Zion or someone like that I mean <laughs> that's crazy to think about yeah and I really thought they should have went really defensive this draft as far as you have Kristaps which is really long huge dude in the paint then you got um, Frank Tilakina out in the wing um, if they could have got a wing defender like Mikel Bridges which is He's ranked as a top 10 defender in the entire NBA, not just rookies, but as an entire player. Um, if you could have had all three levels covered um, and then next year really go offensive with RJ or Zion, um, really could have had something special. Um, so I was a little thrown off by the Kevin Knox pick. Um, like I said, I think he's going to be a good player. Um, just I didn't see the fit there with them. Um but a guy that I've been super shocked with um, since the moment he's drafted, um, Demian Dotson, um, has been playing really, really well. I thought he was just going to be uh, a G League player and eventually just go overseas. But it's showing sort of his worth. What do you, have you been able to see him at all? Yeah, I mean, he's a, he came out of college as just, well, what a lot of people label that as just a a scorer. Um, but he's long, he's athletic. He can obviously score it and he's been better than I thought he would be defensively so far. I think I, I honestly didn't get it either. I thought that was a, a reach in the draft, not even a reach. I just thought that was a miss. Uh, but he's definitely looked good so far. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's played well, especially his weight. Um, I think he's sort of a, a replacement to Courtney Lee what Courtney Lee was supposed to bring to the Knicks. Uh, and he's just going to take his spot. Um, and then someone who's been playing pretty well and actually earned a starting spot is Luke Cornett. Um, 
Big dude. Yeah. Really glad you said that. <laughs> um, what do you think about him? I was a huge Luke Cornette guy at Vanderbilt. I honestly thought he was really solid. Um, he's he's perfect for today's NBA. Just a stretch big. He can, re- although he has not shot it as well as he is capable of yet. Um, he's still been very effective, and I think once he gets more comfortable and in the flow as a pick and pop big, he's deadly. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's why they, they started him, because he's slightly more effective than Ennis Cantor as far as stretching the floor and then a little bit better defensively, able to to move his feet um, in general, because <laughs> Ennis um, can get himself tied up pretty easily. Um, but... He got himself tied up in Giannis last night. No, I don't <laughs> think he wants to climb that tree. <laughs> yeah, no, I think he's all set with that. <laughs> um, but Cantor's a guy that I think the Knicks should move um, because he can bring value to a team. Um, I think the Spurs would benefit from a guy like Cantor. Um, and, and they just need to get assets because they're really punting on the season. Um, they really need this first pick. Um, if they can get RJ or Zion, I think that helps out a lot for them because they have Moutier, Trier, um, Trey Burke and Tilakina, sort of point guard, shooting guard types. Um, but they really need um, a wing um, next to Knox because to develop with him, sort of what Boston did getting Tatum and Brown, I think it would be good for the Knicks. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, the Knicks, they're not going to win many games this year. Um, I'm saying low twenties, probably be thirteen, fourteenth in in the East. Um, yeah. I think they're in a good spot though. I think Fisdale seems like a really good fit as a coach. I think he is a good coach as it is. And then they have a ton of youth on the team. They have Chris Stops, who's already a superstar, and a chance at a really good player early on in the draft this year. So it seems like they fell into a pretty good spot. Yeah, my only gripe with uh, Fizdale is is quick leash um, with Frank. Uh, he really doesn't like to to play him too much. Uh, Frank is is someone who's really learning offensively, but will bring it constantly on defense. So he's someone that I think, and you, you can play him through defensive struggles. Whereas someone like Tim Hardaway, he's going to play no matter what. Um, and I think he can really harm the team. I mean, the two most played lineups for the Knicks include Tim Hardaway um, and the, their starting lineup, Moutier, Hardaway, Kevin Knox, Noah Vama, and Cantor are minus 51. And then basically the same lineup with Mario Herzonia instead of Kevin Knox um, is a minus 22. Um, then another lineup that only another lineup that has minutes that make it something you can see a little bit more than a tiny sample size um, is Frank Frank at point guard and they're a plus nine so um, I think that he needs to play him a lot more um, he has an asset there that I don't think he realizes is going to be a very good NBA player. 
but yeah, I mean, that's that's my piece on the Knicks. You gonna ask me about a free agent because I feel like I might have one this time, or you just want to stump me on the last one? <laughs> well, let's let's do prospects. I know we talked a little bit about it, but um, they have their own first round pick, and then they have a second round pick. It's going to be the least favorable from Orlando, Cleveland, or Houston. So whoever has the so Houston, <laughs> yeah, likely. Um, so looking sort of in the thirty-eight to sixty range, second round for their pick. Um, but I don't see them and with a pick lower than the sixth pick. So who do you got? Yeah, this one's tough just because it's based on where they fall, obviously. Um, I mean, there's a pretty big difference from three to six, in my opinion. Even from, honestly, from two to six, uh, you can get a whole lot of different things here. Um, I think Nas Little is a guy that's going to fall a little bit in the draft just because he's not being used at all uh, in UNC. And he came out as... Honestly, it was supposed to be the second pick in the draft behind RJ based on a lot of people's opinions. And now he's like not even talked about. Uh, I do still think he's going to come out, even though there's been some rumblings that he might return to UNC. I find that almost impossible to believe. Uh, so I have Nas Little going to the Knicks, but there's a lot of a lot of choices in that six area. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I think they'll ultimately end up around three to four, their pick. Um, and I have either Cam Reddish or Kevin Porter Jr. there. Um, I think they just need more shooting. Just continue to get that shooting. Um, have someone with Moody and Trier, who two guys not necessarily knockdown shooters. Um, and even Knox, he, he can get hot, but he's streaky. Uh, but have a guy like Cam Reddish who can space the floor and take some pressure off that way. Yeah, I think Cam could be good. Um, if you honestly, next time you watch Duke, just watch Cam like step into a jump shot, and based on the way he catches it, you can tell immediately if he's going to make it. I never bought in a ton to coaches saying you have to be ready on the catch because I think people can get ready in a lot of different ways to make a jump shot. But Cam is a guy that like when he has when he catches the ball and has a one-two step into a jump shot, he makes it every single time. When he catches the ball and there's any other thing that happens to his feet, it's never going in. He's very, very reliant on the way he gets ready for a shot. Um, so I think when he gets into the NBA and he learns more about that and like can further develop his jump shot, uh, you always see guys in the NBA, it seems like the second year their jumpers are always better. Um, just honestly, no matter how bad they were, how good they were. So I think he's a guy that would really help the Knicks. Yeah, yeah. I think takes pressure off Knox. Um, he's a guy that is um, going to be a better NBA player than college player. Yeah. Even Duke's, Duke's small forwards have been that way the whole time. Like Jason Tatum took, obviously took a massive leap last year. Um, Brandon Ingram hasn't done it yet, but he's still been better in the NBA than he was in college. So that position for Duke's been a struggle. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So I, I see Cam as a as a good player there. Um, second round, I just threw out a couple of names. Cam Johnson from UNC. Yes, um, sir. I was thinking Yudoka Azubuki, um, just a big body, um, someone who plays defense as a big there. Um, something they haven't seen in a long time <laughs> since like 
Larry Johnson, Patrick Ewing. Is, <laughs> but, um, when they still were throwing punches in the post. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and then guys like Brian Bowen and PJ Washington, I think they can take chances on those guys, those type of guys. Um, yeah, I'll give you two more. You can LeGerald Vick and Austin Wiley, I think, or LeGerald Vick fits the shooting and yeah. and defense and athlete type of role. And I think Austin Wiley's a, an awesome big that is very under the radar for Auburn. Yeah, for sure. I like those. I actually was thinking about LeGerald Vick too. Um, James Palmer Jr. is another guy that. I don't think he fits with the Knicks necessarily, but like in that uh, mid to late second round range, is going to be a steal and a half. Oh yeah. Sure. Um, so let's hear your free agents. All right, uh, it's a homecoming. I was saying Tobias Harris. Ooh, I like that. Um, that would be, I think, ideal for Kevin Knox to learn from Tobias because I think he could develop his game very similar. Um, yeah, that would be that'd be an awesome signing. That's all I got. I just saw that name and stopped. <laughs> <laughs> so so uh I'm gonna do again the dream reach, realistic, backup, and probable. Um so dream Durant, obviously. Um get him to come back. Um a reach Kyrie. I think that would be fun to see him in New York. Especially if he brought Jimmy Buckets with him. Right. <laughs> Um, realistic, I would like to see Ricky Rubio there. Uh, be able to teach these guys how to to get people involved. They're, so the Knicks, let me pull up the stat. Um, so the percent of their field goals that are assisted, um, they're less than half. So less than half of their shots um, are coming off an assist, which is dead last in the NBA, um, compared to a team like Philly that has 66% of their their field goals from assists. So um, that was sort of my thinking, is getting a guy that can really show how the guys to guys distribute the ball. Um, then the backup was Jeff Teague, and then someone they probably could get, Patrick Beverly, um, bring some toughness to that team. Yeah, I think those will all be pretty good options. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Kyrie, Kyrie's the one that's interesting. If, if it is true that he wants to go to somewhere like Brooklyn or the Net, or the Knicks, that would, especially if he wants to team up with Jimmy Butler, that's where the Knicks could, could go from irrelevant to holy crap. Yeah. It's just how many point guards can you have? <laughs> like, like, that's true. <laughs> I mean, movie the right. good thing is they all have a different skill. <laughs> Yeah, but it's like they all ultimately do the same thing. (laughs) (laughs) If you could just combine, like if you could give Kyrie Frank's defense and like, I mean, I guess he doesn't really need anything from Manuel Moutier, but still. (laughs) His size. Yeah, there you go. Exactly. Yeah, that would be. You you want to do our uh, Suns and Hornets picks that we didn't get to last week, though? Oh, right, 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 right. Yep, so go ahead. uh, All right, so for the Suns, I gave them Zion. I feel, like, I feel like they earned that one. So, just moving on? <laughs> I mean, I, I, do I have to say more about that? <laughs> I think it's a consensus there, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that's that's really it for them. Um, what about the Hornets? Uh, the Hornets, this one was a little tougher for me. I, there's, like, the middle of this draft, I think, is very strange. Um, we kind of hit on it with the Grizzlies a little bit, but 
I think there's a serious boom bust type of that's a boom bust type of area. There's gonna be some teams that just whiff. There's gonna be some teams that pick people that are like, yeah, I don't know, and then they hit it out of the park. Um, so this is a chance I'm taking. I think the Hornets could definitely use a little bit more in the paint. Um, and I'm going to give him Daniel Gafford from Arkansas. I think he's a big body, super athletic. Uh, and I think like a, a pick and roll of him and Kemba could be deadly. I think he can turn into a DeAndre Jordan type of player. Yeah, he what well, he's definitely a player where you close your eyes and you swing and you hold yeah. contact. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, he's he's tough because um, he started strong with Arkansas um, freshman year. Um, he's sophomore last year, right? Yeah, honestly, I haven't been a huge fan of him at any point. I never thought – like, I'm very glad he came back to school because I did not think he was ready. Um, but I caught two games of his this year, and he's looked a lot better. His biggest question is his motor. He yep. he can really disappear. And I don't know if it's not care or not try, but there's sometimes it's like he doesn't even feel like he wants to be on the floor. And that's definitely scary <laughs> for a mid-first-round pick. Yeah, it's almost like Cam Oliver from Nevada a couple years yep, ago. Yeah, exactly. Um but yeah, so for me, um, we've already um, this guy's already been drafted in our podcast. But Jarrett Culver, uh, I think, will give them some uh, give them a solid foundation for their shooting guard throughout the future. Um, right now, they have Jeremy Lamb. Jeremy Lamb. Um, they play Batum there, play Malik Monk there a little bit, but I think Malik Monk's ultimately a point guard. Um, so I think with, and Dwayne Bacon, but Bacon's can play small forward. Um, but I really like Jared Culver playing shooting guard there, giving them a scoring option. Someone to put the ball on the floor, um, and get to the hoop. Sure. Um, that's a, he's got a, a better offensive Michael K. Gilchrist written all over him. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, so just keep adding wings. Do it the Boston way. He hasn't been <laughs> and then eventually trade them all for Anthony Davis and see what happens. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, any free agents you want to see there? Uh, yeah, I didn't get that far. <laughs> yeah, that's – I mean, for me, for the Hornets, I would say re-sign Kemba at all costs. Um, he's got to be your franchise guy. Just got to ride and die with him. Um, I think that's just the biggest concern for Hornets than for the Suns. Um, just really, almost do another sign a veteran like Ariza. Um, get a guy like Rudy Gay, sign him to a big deal, then trade him midseason to get some assets back. Got anything? Uh, I'm trying to think of. I, they just need so much. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, they definitely do need like a, the veteran type thing, I think. But I, they swung and missed kind of on that this year. So well, we also, sorry, that. I just got distracted by Kevin hitting the biggest three of his life. <laughs> uh oh, did they win? There, it was one eighteen, one seventeen in overtime, and he just stepped into a three and made it a four point game. Forty eight seconds left. Which is really ruining my pick because overtime game on a back-to-back now is getting seriously sketchy. Well, you haven't made your pick yet, so. I know, which is why it's giving me time to think if I need to pick another one. But, yeah, no. The Suns, I mean, 
honestly, any free agent that would be willing to go there and be a part of hopefully a turnaround, uh, they should do it. <laughs> yeah, maybe sign Vince. There you go. <laughs> I mean, he clearly wants to play till he's fifty. So, right. Um, but yeah, Kevin just missed the three. Um, yeah, well, whatever. <laughs> um. Yeah. So the trade I have, or let's do picks first. Sorry. No trade. Um. So I'm gonna trade. I'm gonna work with Memphis here. Um, because like I said, they need a playmaker off the bench. Um, I think they could take a shot here. And so my trade is Garrett Temple, um, and a, um, second round pick for Markel Fultz. Yeah. I mean, that. You're really taking – you get to buy low on Markel Fultz basically and just hope that he turns into what he is supposed to be. Um, Garrett Temple's a guy who plays a lot of minutes for him, so, I mean, it might – and he's he fits that, like, the ideals of the Grizzlies, but I think it would be a perfect opportunity to take a chance on someone like Markel Fultz. Yeah, so uh, my thinking behind this is that Memphis is going to – they're going to find this – at the time this season where they have to make a decision, do they try to trade for now or for the future? Um, and I think because the West is so competitive, um, they might as well trade for the future um, and bring in a guard that could grow with Jaron Jackson um, and have an incredible duo there. Uh, and so we're a place where Fultz can almost go hide. Uh, Memphis doesn't get much coverage. Um, not going to be in the limelight very much. Um, can recover, rehab, and not worry about being in a big market like Philly, um, being close to New York and all that. So, um, And then Philly, um, desperate need of another wing that can shoot. Um, someone to give them some minutes um, like they got from Covington. Um, obviously, nowhere near the level of Covington, but Garrett Temple, someone who could play. He's playing 30 minutes for, for Memphis, um, was a knockdown shooter, shooting 40% this year from three um, and a very good defender. And he's uh, on the last year of his contract, only making $8 million. Um, so getting a second round, second rounder for and a rental, um, I think is Markel Fultz's market at this point. Yeah, I mean, the Sixers are getting – basically two things that they can use for someone that is not being used. So why not? Yeah. Yeah. And it's the economic theory of a sunk cost. I mean, they've, they got to get rid of bolts, I think, um, for him to be successful. So yeah, that's my trade. Now what's, what's your pick? Yeah, I'm going to stick with my original pick. Um, so we have the Hawks coming off this game against the Timberwolves. That is, they just blew a 20-point lead, but hopefully um, that's not going to be a problem for tomorrow. Uh, they're playing the Cavs tomorrow in Atlanta. The Cavs are also coming off a back-to-back. Well, that will be the second game of a back-to-back. Um, they just lost to Miami tonight by 24. Uh, the current spread's Hawks minus three, I believe. So I'm going to go with the Hawks. They've been playing really well as of late. Uh, definitely playing better defensively and might have turned a little bit of a corner, which means they might win 20 games instead of 15, but still they're better than I thought they were so far. 
Yeah, that's a. I will caution. I feel like that's a, a scary pick for me. Um, just because when two bad teams play against each other, you never know what happens. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, so for me, um, my pick is I'm taking um, Golden State in Portland minus three and a half. Uh, Golden State just lost to Portland in overtime in Golden State on Thursday, um, which was yesterday. I think Golden that is that is true. So I think Golden State comes back. Um, a lot of stuff's going around Golden State right now. Clay can't shoot. Draymond's got a back. Can't shoot. <laughs> shooting. Um, and this is a lot of times when Golden State gets all this noise around them, they come out and put up an unreal performance. Um, so I'm expecting Clay to go for 40. Um, and Golden State wins by double digits here. Yeah, that was the one I was looking at. If I didn't pick the Hawks, that was the one I was going to go with. So that's a good pick for sure. Yeah. So hoping to go 10 and 0 here. Um, so just one more last break and then uh, get into the study. Action. I'm a scientist. You're a scientist. All right. So we're going to do a study kind of on stress, I guess you can call it. Um, so stress leads to a likelihood of injury. Like that kind of took me by surprise a little bit when I first learned it. But uh, the more stress you have, the more, more likely you are to be injured in an athletic setting. So there's two reasons why it could happen. First has to do with your brain. Uh, so when you're under stress, you're preoccupied with the stress and you're focusing on it. So you decrease your attention to your task and skill, which can obviously, if you're not paying attention to say in football, you're not totally focus on the task and someone comes over the middle and lays you out. That's a problem. Uh, probably going to be hurt from that. And then the second way is somatically, which is involving your muscles. Um, so you have increased muscle tension because of the stress and then that decreases your coordination. So instead of the smooth, normal mo movements you're used to, you have jerky movements and that's just also leads to a higher likelihood of injury. Um, so interestingly, athletes that are high in social support and coping skills are less susceptible to injury based on stress. Um, coping skills are a little bit more important than uh, uh, coping skills are kind of the most important as compared to social support, but both have a significant positive impact in reducing injury in high stress uh, athletes and as we all know, everyone's stressed a lot of the time in their life. So stress definitely plays a major role in sports. And it's interesting that if you just have like a, a solid base of support and know how to deal with your stress, that you're not going to get hurt as frequently, at least. That's very interesting. I had no idea. Um, and exhibit A is Mark Hilfold's. So. Yep. Um, yeah. Wow. So. And you see people like LeBron who has like the best support system and his best friend since high school that have like the tightest circle and he's really never suffered a major injury. Yeah. That and HGH. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's just naturally a freak. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. That's, that makes a lot of sense because the team I coach, I have a lot of injuries from the same people and they're the ones that are always worried about how they're playing and all of that. So, Oh, yeah. I'm glad I have a reason now for why they keep getting hurt. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. 
All right, last thing before we finish. This has nothing to do with basketball, but who's going to win the college football playoff this weekend? Um, I have Clemson and Alabama. Yeah, me too. That's boring. <laughs> uh, I just – I haven't seen Notre Dame play that much this year, but I'm just not impressed with their schedule. I mean, Clemson didn't play anyone really either, but they just – I don't know. Yeah, I think Clemson is just better than Notre Dame. But also, I think if Tua won the Heisman, I think the Oklahoma game, I think Oklahoma could have kept it relatively close. But since Kyler Murray won the Heisman, I feel like Alabama's defense just wants to ruin his life and like prove that Tua's better. So I think that has a chance to be a serious blowout. Yeah, I have a feeling Oklahoma won't score until the second half. <laughs> Which would be crazy. Yeah. Um, then you got Alabama beating Clemson. I'm going to pick Clemson. All right, I'm picking Alabama. I'm uh, cheating. Best team, best quarterback. That's why I'm sticking with what I'm sticking with. Yeah, well, I just want to make it interesting. <laughs> we'll figure that out next week. <laughs> yep. All right, well, thanks for listening. Um, check Shout out, out DJ Shout Zinus. out DJ Zinus. Yeah. yeah, we missed him on the beginning, but um, don't forget to listen to him. He's got some really good stuff out there. Um, and then keep looking out for social media and the website coming. Anything else? Nope. Adios. All right, DJ Zenus, here you go. Show up, get out on the floor. All I want to know, can we turn this thing out?